0: Good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. One of the most unpopular topics in the church is the subject of work. But it's central throughout the entire Bible, and it speaks to the nature of mankind. In our world today, there's an increasing devaluing of work. We sadly see a generation growing up without this key character quality. Thanks for joining us today as we seek to impress those key Christian values into our children by examining the New Testament definition and teaching on work. It was two weeks ago I saw the rain clouds coming. We had a a storm that was headed uh, our way in town. Leave it hit up here first, and I thought, you know, I'm gonna head out to the garden. Sadie and I, she's my daughter. We have three little plots of vegetables planted, and I thought before that rain comes to feed the veggies, I'm gonna pull up the weeds so they don't get any other rain. So I went out there, started working, and uh, was not able to finish. I only got one of the beds done, and then forgot about it, and. Uh, two days ago, revisited it, and for the one bed where I picked the weeds, guess what it looked like? Great. Looked great, but for the two that I missed, it was a jungle. I couldn't believe how many weeds and how they had grown so quickly. The effort to pull the weeds when they were small, it was easy. It was it was honestly minimal. But then once they once they got large, it became much more difficult to not pull up the plant along with the weed I was trying to pull. The principle within this metaphor teaches us that it is easier to correct poor behavior when you first see it than to wait until it's too late. Come on, you guys know the saying, right? You can't teach an old dog what? Yeah, yeah that, there's, there's, a, there's truth behind that because you and I can get so ingrained into a way of living that what we do is we end up becoming accustomed to that rut. You know what? It's hard to even teach an old teenager new tricks. It's far easier to address those problems when they are small as little weeds and pulling them up. When we think about passing on our faith, there are crucial values that are tied to the Christian faith that we must include in raising our children. Today, we're going to look at one of the most important components of Christian character. It's called work. Uh, As I look to the newest generation that's growing up in our world today, there's two things that I keep seeing. Uh, Kids today have a very hard time uh, knowing how to wait and knowing how to work. I mean, I was uh, I was sitting in line uh, at, at Wendy's uh, this past week with my son, and uh, the drive-through line took five minutes. Can you believe that? A whole five minutes. In fact, the the two cars uh, ahead of us, they got sick of waiting after three minutes and they left, which just made it better for me. I thought, but. We we have become so accustomed in our world to having everything we want right now. And if we don't get it right now, if it does take work, we don't want to put that into it either. And what you find is a generation that has been accustomed to that. Whether we know it or not, the Bible has a lot to say about work. But there is a movement in our culture to move away from work. I do I have no desire to be get, to get political here, so you can take this for what it's worth. But there is documentable evidence for the danger of giving somebody something free. You, you've heard the saying, easy come, what? Easy go. easy go. And if you don't work for what it is that you've achieved, will you value it? You, you will have missed all the effort that would have been put into receiving this, which you now have, if it's just offered to you freely. And so in a world where you have politicians running on platforms for free this and free that and everything free, I believe what we will be, we will be doing is engendering further low value to another generation who doesn't know what it took to get whatever it is you receive. Does everybody know someone has to pay for it? My dad used to say this. He'd say, there's no free lunch. No such thing as a free lunch. Look, if you get something for free, someone paid for it. Somebody did. Someone paid for it. Maybe not you, but somebody did. This is a crucial aspect in understanding how our faith is passed down because your salvation is free to you, but it was not free. Does everybody understand this? It's a gift. It means you receive it freely, but it cost God a lot. It cost Jesus his life. And when we so easily enter into a world where we forget to assign the value to the things that we receive, what we will end up with is a world full of trash, valueless consumers who do not contribute to the, great, to, to the whole so uh, to begin with, uh, we're, we, we are going to get into the Bible here, but I want, to, uh, I want to establish, just even before we read God's word, uh, a biblical defense for work. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, man, I had to come to church today. Man, roll my eyes. Talking about work, too bad. Listen now, work was there in the beginning. It was in the garden. Genesis 1.15, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and care for it. Now, was that, was that before the curse or after the curse? That was before the curse of sin. So guess what, folks? Work is part of God's design from the very beginning. Now, it not only shows up in the beginning, it shows up in the middle. In fact, God, knowing the difficulty now because of the curse in this world, he has made concession for work in that God worked for six days. And then what did he do? He went to the beach. That's right. He took, <laughs> he, he took a day off. And, and he has said, the same needs to be true for you. For man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. So this idea of work continues right through the very middle. Because God knows that work is going to be difficult. So he gives us even a command to remember him by taking a day of rest. Not only that, but God works within us. A particular set of gifting so that we can work. Uh, This is what I, I was preaching to you just a minute ago, how everybody has a certain gift. You all have a role to play within the functioning of the body. Well, guess who gave you that? God gave that to you because he knows work is part of his design. Now, not only is it just there in the middle in terms of a reality for us, it is also, hear me now, work is also the central evidence for salvation. The Bible says, concerning you being saved, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. Paul teaches that to the Ephesians. Peter even speaks to the church on it. First Peter chapter 2, he says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good works and glorify God on the day that he visits us. So, what I'm doing right now is I'm building a biblical theology for work. It's in the beginning, it's in the middle, and guess where else it is? It's also in the end. Isaiah chapter 65, in speaking of the new heavens and the new earth, the prophet says, in the new heavens and new earth, as God recreates everything, they will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and will eat their fruit. I was looking up online today, uh, or or this past week, statistics on work and how that affects this generation. What do you think today? Do you you think more kids are working today or less kids? What do you suppose? Yeah, the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics says from 2000, it's down 15% in terms of teenagers getting a summer job. Just not something that's as fashionable a- a- anymore. Now, what do you suppose those teen- teenagers are doing then? Did I, was I allowed to just waste my time in summer? Did dad let me do that? Never. No, I, I, I had a summer job every summer. And if I wasn't working for another company, if I wasn't working for the road, uh, county road commission, I was working with my father that I was staying busy because that's a component of our faith. That needs to be held on to. And if young people are not given the expectation that work is a component of living in this life, you know what they'll do? They will be, here's the word, it's a really ugly word. You ready? Idle. Idle. Have you ever let your car engine idle? Is it getting anything done? You going anywhere? Is it moving you? I, I hate stoplights, man. Just I put it in park. I might as well just wait. Yeah, this is the reality. If you don't find yourself functioning as God has designed you, you're going to be idle. And it's at this point, all kinds of evil can seep in and you will be drawn away from the values of the Christian faith. Because an idle mind is going to be susceptible to all those things. idle hands are going to find themselves doing things they shouldn't do. Um, The subject this morning is work. We're going to be in Second Thessalonians chapter 3. So if you could take your Bibles and open them with me, Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to read uh, through a couple of verses. And while you're turning there, I found this quote uh, from Tim Keller in his book called Every Good Endeavor. This is what he says about work. He says, work is as much a basic human need as food, beauty, rest, friendship prayer and sexuality did, did you catch that work is a basic human need it's not simply medicine but food for our soul without meaningful work we will sense significant inner loss and emptiness people who are cut off from work because of physical or or other reasons quickly discover how much they need work to thrive emotionally physically, and spiritually. If you have your sermon uh, handouts, I I, I apologize, we're going to get to 2 Thessalonians in a minute. Um, One of the things that I want to do is give you a definition for work. And uh, while we're thinking about that, I want you to know what work isn't. Work is not to be compartmentalized. Think about that for a minute. What, when, what, what, what are the two times on the clock hand that we normally think of work? Nine till? five. That's not work. That's not what we mean. Work is not something that you simply compartmentalize. Um, secondly, work is not anything that you contribute to your salvation. <laughs> Can I make sure that we all hear that clearly? As the pastor here is talking about work, he in no way is implying that that's how you please God in order to be saved. We, that'd, be the, that'd be the exact type of oppressive sort of teaching that believing, following the law would earn righteousness for you. And so we know salvation is by grace. So do not think for a moment when we're saying work, we're meaning get yourself saved. That's not what I mean at all. Nor is work punishment. Have you ever heard somebody um, talk about Friday? What do, what do they say about Friday? T G. Why? Because they feel like work is for them Punishment. Um, You could think of chain gangs in the old days, right? Uh, Prisoners hitting on a, uh, thank you, hitting on rock, right? Why? Because we have viewed work as what? A type of punishment. It is not. Let me give you a definition for work. And I actually, I have to find my notes for this. definition work means using your these are three t's so it's easy to remember work means using your gifts of talent time and opportunities that's my third t so you can remember it to glorify the giver that's what we mean by work work means using your talents using your time and using your opportunities because all of those for you are things you do not earn. Who gave you your time? God gave you your time. Who gave you your talent? God gave you your talent and who provides you the opportunities in your life? God does. He is the giver of these gifts. And so work is when you use those three T's to glorify, not yourself, but to glorify God. That is a proper biblical definition of work. And so, with that in mind, let us now turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul says this to the church in Thessalonica. Starting in verse 6. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you received from us, But you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this, not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule: If a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle, they are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down, earn the bread they eat. and as for you, brothers. Never tire of doing what is right. I want to give you uh, five quick uh, conclusions and observations from this text that have to do with what work should look like. In our biblical model for work, that the giver is the one who offers you talent, time, and opportunities, and it's your privilege to glorify him for uh, what he has done. Work, first of all, must look disciplined. Work must look disciplined now when i say disciplined i don't just mean stand up straight and uh and dot your eyes and cross your t's and get it right and show up early and wake up on time and get out of bed. that's not what i mean when i mean disciplined i mean according to a standard that's what i mean by discipline work must be disciplined according to a standard. And here's what that means for you. It's completely now contingent on the right standard. I wanted to show you back into the text. Verse six, he says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you received from us. Work, biblical work, must correspond with the right teaching from God's word. In fact, the apostle Paul here, when he speaks about work, He doesn't leave it as an option. I don't know if you caught this in here. He says, we lay down this rule. We give you this command. Do you guys know that there's a wrong way to work? There's a right way to work. And there's a wrong way to work. We need to make sure that as we think of the biblical precept of work, that we're seeing it in conjunction with the rest of God's teachings and instructions. It means it's not optional. It's a command. Secondly, biblical work must be modeled. Now now is when I'm talking to grandmas and grandpas right now. Now is when I'm talking to moms and dads. Work must be modeled. I said this a long time ago in this series, that your children will receive from you more the things that are patterned after how you live than what you teach them. They're watching you. That's the difference between something that's taught and something that's caught Because they're catching it, whether or not you know that you're displaying it. Biblical work must be modeled. In fact, if you look back in the text, you'll see this. um, Verse 6, there's a command of a warning, right? We command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle. Why do you suppose that is? I like it. Penny said, monkey see, monkey do. And that's that's 100% right. If you and I are living in a family that models laziness, what will more of us be inclined to do? Oh, take it easy. Kick your feet up. don't Because it is being modeled. Not only that, but you'll see in further here, verse 7, he says, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. The Apostle Paul uses his own life to say... Look, I'm not going to put in front of you anything I'm not myself willing to do. You know how we live. You know how much we worked, how hard we served. And by the way, you'll find that teaching throughout Paul's letters, book of 2 Corinthians, it's thick through there. 1 Thessalonians, it's thick through there. The apostle Paul continually saw that his life was a model. You have one other verse for this. you see it in verse 9. He says, we did this not because we didn't have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow it was a couple months ago I was talking with Quint and I told him I'm going to do a sermon on this because he made a comment to me he said it's a strange thing that uh, children today need to be taught how to work and I kind of I thought I'm not sure I understand that it's shouldn't we shouldn't we teach kids how to work and here's what Quint meant He, he meant that years ago you didn't teach it you just did it you guys catch that that, that you don't actually have to teach children how to work years ago because that's just what you were doing anyways. And so little kids, they looked and they saw dad going to work and they said, guess I'm going to go help too. I guess I'm going to go work too because that's just what you did. But that's not the world that we live in today. We have to instruct them and teach them and actually show them because we have missed, for whatever reason our culture has offered to us, a lot of lackadaisical ease, laziness, kick your feet up, have it your way. TGIF. Work needs to be modeled. It needs to be shown. Third, work needs to be rewarded. There needs and ought to be a reciprocation of the investment that went in. Um, I'm calling it a, a payday, but I'm using that as quotes because sometimes... The payment is not in money. A lot lot of times there's other payments, but there needs to be a reward for your work. And Paul lends to this same idea in verse 10, if you look with me there. He says, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not what? So what's the payment? Yeah. Let Let me tell you something. For all of you who know what a hard day's work is like, is that not good payment? There's nothing better than a home-cooked meal after a sweaty, dusty day of hard work. Um, He lends to the same idea. You see it again in verse 12. He says, Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down, earn the bread they eat. Do you see the payoff? Do you see the payday? Uh, this, uh, past week, my, my wife and her mom and aunt came up and Sadie and Emily took a girl's trip down to Door County. They had a great time, but since the girls were away, the mice were, I'm sorry, the boy, how's it go? Uh, Micah and I had a boy's day. And so, uh, we went out fishing and then we, we cut some wood and, um, we, uh, we cleaned up the fish, brought them home. And normally we try to eat about six o'clock. Uh, we had such a full, full day. I'm frying up fish at 9.30 at night, and Micah is yawning, but I'm telling you, that coleslaw, that fish, it never tasted so good. And if you looked at these two boys, we were covered in sweat and dirt. I mean, it was awesome. It was the best time. What a great payday for the work that we put in. But work needs to be rewarded. Um, We have a verse given to fathers not to exasperate their children or be harsh, To their children. And that would be living and modeling in such a way that there's never a payday. That's not God's design. God's design is such that we would receive from our hands the reward. This is what the passage Lois read in Ecclesiastes was teaching us that it is a gift of God that you can enjoy the work that you have. And again, let me just for sake of reminder tell you work is not nine to five, work is not earning your salvation, work is not punishment. Work is using your talents, your time, and your opportunities to glorify God. And you can do that all day, all the time. All right, so disciplined, modeled, rewarded, number four. Work needs to be honorable. Work must be evidenced by integrity. You'll see this in verse 11. Verse 11, he says, We hear that some among you are idle. This is beautiful. They are, I, I say it's beautiful because if you were to read this in the original language, he's doing a play on words, which we kind of get in English. He says, they're not busy. They're what? Busy bodies. Do you guys know what a busybody is? Yeah, it, it, it's the, it's the, so when I was on the mission field, we would have teams come and the very best teams that would come and do work on the mission field were ones that were family units. Where a uh, um, uh, uh, mother and father, husband and wife came with their kids and they would work together, those were awesome. Do you know what the ones that were terrible were? The teenagers. When we just get a group of teenagers to come, I can't tell you how many times Emily and I, and this is before we were married, but we're up on the roof trying to put down shingles and there's a bunch of teenagers just hitting hammers together. That's just, just <laughs> what they're doing. <laughs> Not busy, just being a what? Just a busy body. And uh, this is something that I have worked very hard to teach my own son, which is if you and I got it from my father, if you're if you're going to do the work, if you're going to do a job, maybe you know, if you're going to do a job, do it right. Right. If you're if my name is going to be attached to this work, I need to make sure that it's done to the highest level of integrity and quality that I can. So um, work must be honorable. Last one, number five. Biblical work must be fulfilling. It must be fulfilling. This shows up in verse 13. It's the last one that I have for you this morning. Paul says, And as for you brothers, never tire of doing what is right. How great is that? Never getting tired of doing what is right. The way this works is that when you have that calling in life to function how God has designed you to function to glorify the giver. You won't be tired when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. I, I could pick on Marvin here because Marvin will start a job and I'll be tired of working and he'll want to work more because he's so fulfilled in doing that job and you each have a version of that in your life to glorify God because you're filled up and you never tire of doing what is right. Think with me for a moment. If you were an archer shooting bullseyes would you ever get tired of shooting bullseyes? No, you're you're doing what you should be doing. You're never going to want to go off from that. And so this is the final command that we have within a biblical theology of work. It needs to be fulfilling. Let me give you very quickly uh, uh, three points of application in terms of a warning. And so this is what I want you to watch for grandmas and grandpas, uh, moms and dads. Beware of three things. Number one, beware of procrastination. Beware of procrastination. Now, my son does an excellent job responding to me when I ask him to get busy. Now, he he does less good with his mom. I don't know where he gets that from, mom. Uh, But one of the things that I watch for is when I hear, in a minute. Do you know when I hear in a minute most often is when the TV is on? That's when I hear, in a minute, I see you, pal. I'm looking right at you. That's, that's, that's when I hear that in a minute. So listen, parents, watch out for this because kids today don't know how to work. So watch out for procrastination. Maybe check your own life. How, how am I modeling procrastination? Eh, we'll get to that another day. Be careful because they're catching those types of things. All right, number two, beware of instant gratification. Beware of instant gratification. Have you ever had to wait for an email to open? There is nothing more painful in this world than clicking on a, on an email and just having to sit there and wait. I might as well throw the whole computer in the ocean. Well, how crazy is that? I, I'm, I am communicating light speed with people and here I am without the patience to wait because I'm so conditioned on having whatever I want right when I want it. It's that Wendy's drive through again. Beware of instant gratification because you will be training both yourselves and your children how not to wait for things. Do you know that God's timing ain't your timing? Turn to your neighbor and say, God's timing ain't your timing." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beware of instant gratification. Lastly, beware of recognition. Um, you will have people who want to butter you up. And then if you get used to that, what you'll find is that I'm only going to want to work if I'm getting my, my ego padded a little bit. Be very careful when it comes to doing things in order just to get recognition. Colossians 3, Paul writes this. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ who you are serving. Have you ever felt like you're unappreciated? Anybody ever feel like that? Man, they don't know what time. I got here early. I'm the last one to leave. Nobody even thanked me. You know what that will do? That will produce this bitterness in you. And you'll not want to work. You'll not even want to function in the way God's designed you to function because you hadn't been watching out for that little idol of recognition. You got to remember this. You and I, we work for who? We are working for God, not for men, not for recognition. So that's my application to you. Please beware of those things procrastination, instant gratification, and recognition. I'll, cl- I'll close with this verse from the book of Proverbs. With wisdom, hear me now. Proverbs, you could write this down, chapter 24, verses 30 through 34. And we're going to end on this. I passed by the field of the sluggard. You guys know what a sluggard is? You ever see a slug? What do they move, fast or slow? So a sluggard is somebody who moves. Yes. I passed by the field of the sluggard, by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. And behold... It was overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hand to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. The, the two little plots of vegetables had weeds growing in them. Weeds growing because I hadn't gone and pulled them when they were small. Hopefully your kids are still small. Hopefully your grandkids are still small. Passing the faith on to them means in investing in them this key characteristic of our faith, which is working to glorify not ourselves, but the giver. Amen? Let's pray this morning.